Hello, welcome to Steel City Business, the Sheffield business podcast. I'm James Marriott. I'll be your host as we explore the vibrant business scene of the glorious city of Sheffield. Now, in each episode, we meet someone from across the Steel City to learn more about them and, of course, their business. I run my own business. It's called Sound Media, and it's all about helping brands to amplify their voice through audio marketing. If you want to find out more, then head to the show notes. There's more information there. And this podcast is supported by the lovely people at The Curious, creative agency in the centre of Sheffield. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe to suggest a guest or for any reason, then there are contact details in the show notes or head to steelcity.business. Right, that's enough for that. Let's meet our guest. Hi, I'm Hayley and I'm the accidental founder of Find Narrative, a small consultancy focused on helping brands develop their brand stories. Um, and I've also sort of fallen into a freelance marketing manager role as well. There were some really interesting words that you used in there that we're yeah. going to come back to. We're going to come back to. Firstly, um, welcome to Steel City Business. Mm-hmm. What I like about the fact that it's it's still the early days of the new Steel City business is that we've got lots of firsts. Mm-hmm. So this is the first episode of of this run of the podcast that we've done uh, sat at someone's dining room, which... Um, is not weird, but then I, I, as I was driving here, I was thinking, you know, when when this show was was first out in 2019, I don't think we were recording episodes in people's dining rooms because I think it would have been weird then. I think that it was it would be odd to kind of go, yeah, come around to my house and do it yeah. there. Like people weren't doing stuff like that, so kind of like pre-COVID, that would have been weird. But it's not weird now, so mm-hmm. that's that's good. Um, you are the first female guest that we've had on great. this series, which is which Amazing. is great. That's really good to hear. Um, and you, I noticed you introduced yourself just. To Taylor, because I was, I was going to say you're the first person that's got a double barrel surname Aww. that we've had on, but you didn't say it. Oh, so. no, I can say my, my full name. So it's Hayley Tootill Taylor for anyone who wants to know how to pronounce it. I got this great thing planned where you're going to introduce yourself. <laughs> I was going to say you're the first person uh, that we've had with a double barrel surname. And what a double barrel surname oh, it is. No. So, sorry, I ruined that for you. <laughs> yes, I, just, I, lo- I just love it. I think it's, a, I, I, it's brilliant. It rolls off the tongue so fantastically. It'd be a brilliant like radio name or something. Yeah, yeah. We should all become. Um, to Hill Taylor's. I mean, I don't think I've quite got a radio voice, but yeah, we'll see on this podcast. We will see over the course of uh, of, of the next few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was an interesting introduction there where you um, use words like, you know, accidentally and sort of fell into, I think you might have said mm-hmm. as well. Give us a little bit of a whistle stop tour then, if you would do, of, of your kind of career, what you've done mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of how you've ultimately arrived at this point. Yeah, so the start of my career, I worked as sort of social media manager slash head of social for a few different agencies Mm -hmm. and sort of specialised in communications and then moved to sort of the marketing side. So as a marketing manager, spent a lot of time agency side and then moved in-house. And that was where I sort of really enjoyed working. We met when I was working at Jessica Flynn um, as their marketing manager, which was brilliant, such a great role. I loved it there. And I left there and went on to another marketing manager role. And and yeah, kind of, it, it, it wasn't the right fit. So I needed to look for something else. And it was there that I realized that as a mum, I'm not that employable. 
And I think this is probably something that happens to a lot of mums. So my son was starting school and I needed a role that would allow me to be able to do the drop off some days, do the pick up some days, to be around for school holidays. You know, there's, you know, there's 13 weeks of school holidays and you get four to five weeks of holidays. How was I going to navigate that? And then on top of that, you know, I'd be going to a new role saying, okay, so I need flexible working off the bat can't do full-time hours and also I have a disability and I need to go and get treatment every sort of week for six months right so in that I kind of thought well that isn't really very appealing to an employer and when I had a look around you know there wasn't really anything that sort of jumped out at me and yeah so on a walk up at Loxley Common with my husband we sort of came up the idea of find narrative and and it sort of sort of moved from there really so I left my role and took a job at a restaurant Orange Bird down the road which is lovely and thought do you know what I'm not going to get any work for six months Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to work here I'm going to do some nice free bits of work see what happens and maybe in six months time I'll have a business and I'll have a paying client and that would be wonderful that would be the goal Mm -hmm. so this was back in September so yeah that all happened and very quickly I started to get clients so yeah it kind of all sort of happened pretty quickly I got a few clients and then those clients picked up I got a couple more clients and now I'm fully booked excellent uh, which is great I'm fully booked for the next couple of months and I'm just working on this really wide variety of things I still work at the Orange Bay one night a week because it's a great business and I love to be a part of it oh that's lovely Um, and I do it for fun but yeah you know it's been it's been a journey and one that still surprises me every single day you, at the beginning when i mentioned that you're the first guest that we've had on this series um that, that's female that wasn't me just being outrageously sexist because <laughs> i knew that, that there's things that yeah. we're going to get on and talk about where where that's relevant particularly mm-hmm. relevant in terms of you being um a mum before that let's talk about marketing a little bit then because i, yeah. th- I feel like marketing is such a strange word in this day and age because just about everyone says oh i do marketing yeah, um, yeah. down to um like call centers class themselves as marketing mm-hmm. i talk about doing audio marketing which is podcasting uh, yeah there's so many different sort of factions of what marketing is mm-hmm. when when you think about marketing and the marketing that you do what what is that on one hand I've positioned myself as a brand narrative specialist so that's really thinking about that brand story you yeah. know looking at a brand's sort of mission vision values their position their proposition that kind of stuff but I've almost fallen into this kind of freelance marketing manager role where I'm working for businesses who don't necessarily have a marketing manager or that kind of marketing setup. And I'm really looking holistically across all of their channels to bring everything together. So some of the work I might do might be sort of strategic and planning based. Other work might be sort of writing content and developing a social media plan that could be delivered by another team. Some of the work that I'm doing um, at the moment is support on a partnership project between um, a sporting body and a and a partner so it's really really varied but I think where I'm probably strongest is that kind of brand story and brand narrative and then taking that message out to the market in all the right places okay um why 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 were you attracted to marketing in the first place what kind of led you down this path again I, I kind of fell into it so I did a PR and comms degree right really loved the social media side so yeah obviously went down the social media route and leaned towards the head of social work so I worked as a head of social media for a couple of agencies 
And I kind of recognized that as I was getting older, that I was no longer relevant. So I do not get TikTok. I can do TikTok, (laughs) but the brands that I will work with will not be kind of leading the way on TikTok. Their target audience will not be TikTok because that is not me. I'm not a specialist. I can find specialists, but that isn't me. And as social media has evolved, I've kind of recognized that actually my skill set is beyond social it isn't just the social content and that isn't the only thing that interests me it's the whole story it's the whole holistic brand story Mm -hmm. and the thing that really excites me about brands is those authentic stories those connection points finding the heart of a business and a brand and and not just kind of some fun content on social I like to sort of feed it all the way through I certainly wouldn't say that I'm a brand expert or anything like that but I feel most businesses when they talk about brand and what it is and stuff like that, I think they don't get it. No. Nope. They just don't get it. Most most get it wrong. Yeah, I think lots of businesses think about their brand as how they look physically. So maybe their brand colours and their fonts and their logo and, you know, brand runs so much deeper than that. It's, it's you know, it's your values, it's your mission yeah. statement, it's, you know, it's your reason to believe, it's your commitment to your customers, it's all of that is your internal culture. You know, it's it's this whole huge picture. And, you know, marketing, I think people see marketing as sort of existing in its own silo and it doesn't, it's so interconnected and woven into every single part of the business, which is why my role is kind of becoming that mm. kind of freelance marketing manager role where I am plugged into those businesses, where I am interacting with all of the teams so that I can really deliver the best value. And um, because if you do see marketing as a standalone piece, that's just about color and some nice pictures. It just doesn't work. Huge part, I think, of, of strong brands is giving a toss. Yeah. Like you've really got to care. You can't just go, right, well, we're going to, um, this is a really cool idea for a brand and we'll do it and people will love us and they'll buy mm-hmm. into us. It's like, you've got to live and breathe it and you've got to you've just you've it's got to be everything you've yeah. really got to give a hundred percent not because you've got to but because you want to like, yeah it's got to be it's just got to be everything yeah and, and customers need a reason to believe they need a reason to connect and when you don't give them that you know if you've got two brands and say it's two brands that are both selling the same box are you going to go for you know box company a that you know hasn't really invested in sort of telling its brand story or B that's got a family heritage that has mixed team of female and male CEOs that they talk about or directors you know do you go for the company that talks about you know their environmental um credentials Mm -hmm. you know which one are you going to go for um you know I'd definitely go for B and it's those small parts of your story that are really important um and I think some brands forget to focus on that before going out to the market with their message as we record this now, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure what order these episodes are going to come out in, but I, I think your episode will be within a week or two of Johnny from Mantra Media, um, who I, as we record this, I spoke to a few days ago. And they're you know, very similar sort of themes that came out of that in terms of values, but, but actually really believing in those values and it not just being lip service and Mm -hmm. it's about you know you've got to stand for something to decide whether or not a business matches your values you you can't just adjust them to to think yeah well we can work with it like you've you've just got to live and breathe it and 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 that's it's really interesting that that's kind of been such a focus actually the first few um first couple of episodes that we've um that we've done let's go back then to the subject that we touched on ever so slightly at the at the beginning and i know 
when I first mentioned on LinkedIn about bringing this podcast back, looking for people to do episodes, and you got in mm-hmm. touch. And you were clearly very passionate about some of the way that things had played out for you, yeah. um, perhaps some of the issues that, that highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought then actually, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't hear that many people talking about stuff like that. And it's almost yeah. just become, we all know that sometimes it's difficult, particularly for, for, for mums, particularly mums of probably quite young children, that it's, that it's quite difficult. But we've all sort of put that in a box and goes, yeah, it's difficult. Fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually we're not really kind of talking about it anymore and exploring, mm-hmm. well, what does that mean? And, yeah. and what can be done? What should be mm-hmm. happening now? Because we're in a new era, aren't we? We had COVID yeah. and that was a line in the sand for a lot of things. And that's 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 gone now. Uh, and we're moving into a new era of, of work and a new era of work culture, I think, as well. And and the way that a lot of businesses are, are doing things has changed off the back of what's happened over the last few years. And and from what you said, it sounds like you you feel this is still something that's that's just not really working. No, no. So, and I think it isn't just an issue that affects working mums, it affects working families, it affects the sure. the sort of the mum and the dad as well. Um, so, you know, if you go to sort of the beginning, you know, you have a baby and um, and you go on maternity leave and statutory maternity leave is not, not great, but you get through that and then you want to return to work and, you know, your job might have said, great, you can come back and do flexible working or reduced hours and you send your child to nursery you know, take a guess at how much I spent on nursery fees across from 10 months to four. So 10 months to school, how much do you think I spent on nursery fees? I dread to think. So (laughs) £40,000. Wow. It cost me £40,000. And this is Sheffield, this This is is not London. This is in Sheffield. Um, It cost £40,000 just for me to go to work and continue my career you know, I really didn't want to let that part of my identity go. And I also knew that if I didn't pay that, I'd be out of the labour market and it would be so much harder to get a job and I would be going back down to the bottom and starting again. So, you know, that's £40,000. It's such a a huge sum of money just to have a job. Um, And that's happening up, up and down the country. And the government has brought in, you know, you can now get 33 hours when your child is two but the nurseries are struggling to fulfill that because there isn't clear guidance right. for them on how they can access that funding so there's there's progress being made but it's still a bit messy and then you go to school and you know you, you then struck with okay then so I've got sort of four weeks holiday plus bank holidays and Christmas and whatnot a statutory but there's 13 weeks of of holiday school holidays yeah and I think it's really common now for families to move to a city and not have any grandparents there who can mm-hmm. help them. So how do you do it? You know, it means that you have to sacrifice family time together because mum has to take time off and dad has to take time off. That's, you know, you might have a week's holiday, three weeks each either side. You've still got a deficit of time. How do you juggle that? And, and that's such a challenge. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to to set up on my own. And another reason was, you know, so many roles are nine to five, you know, but if you want to pick up your child, you know, school the school day finishes at three. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, my son does sort of breakfast club and after school club a few days a week, you know, but if I pick him up from school like today, I need to leave the house at 10 to three. So my day finishes at quarter to three if I'm mm-hmm. working from home. You know, and and not many kind of, especially as you go higher up and progress in your career, it's much harder yep. to 
to juggle that and you know you're having to apply for a job and then say off the back of it oh by the way I want to pick my son up from school a few days a week and can I work from home so that I can maximize my hours so yeah so that's a challenge and I think that this still even within organizations that say that they don't discriminate I still think that there's that unconscious bias towards women of a certain age Um, and it isn't in all organizations um, but I mean, you know, down to pay, I, I've experienced a gender pay gap myself. I was being paid less than a male counterpart for doing the same job, despite having more experience. That's happened to me. And I know that happens to so many other women. But yeah, the the sort of the discrimination then comes down to recruitment as well. So, you know, subconsciously, there must be something in a recruiter's mind when they're thinking, okay, well, this woman's in, in her early 30s and she doesn't have children. Is she going to have children? Or when you have one child, is she going to have another child? You know, and that was something that was in the back of my mind. You know, we've chosen to only have one child, but going in and and if, you know, you don't have to disclose that you have children, but it would just come out because it's one facet of my identity being a mum. You know, I know that that would play into... The, the decision and I think that's really sad and and yeah it is it is tough and you know it, it really played into that kind of decision to leave the labour market and the traditional labour market because it just isn't really set up for working families especially in a society where with the cost of living households need two incomes I get very sort of behind this, but as women, you know, we kind of sold this bit of a lie where it's like, oh, you know, you can you can be this amazing mum, you can follow gentle parenting, you can have your career and you can have a clean house and actually you can't do all of it. Yeah, yeah. It's really difficult. And um, I know I sound like a raging feminist. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was, I was going to say, actually, I feel like the issues that you're bringing up are really valid and I feel like you're talking about it with such dignity when you could just rant and rave. Um, <laughs> so far from sounding like um, a feminist, I think it's really important because disclaimer here, you know, I, I sit here as uh, obviously I'm male. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any children. I, I was thinking as you were talking about the fact that this, this morning I was working with a client in Sheffield city center. So um, I had to get myself ready. I was about to leave the house, realized I'd left one of the heaters on. So I had to go back up and do that. Got halfway down the street and realized that I'd not got some wires that I needed to take with me. So I was like, oh, I just can't myself back up the street. And I got loads of equipment and stuff with me. And and I got halfway into town and realized that I'm just like a sweaty mess now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, some people do this with little people in their lives yeah. like and they do that and have a family involved and children who are reliant on them for everything yeah and i'm like how how do they do that that equation just looks impossible like it yeah. can't it just can't I, I you know if i had a child it would probably be taken from me because i just i'm just not <laughs> I'm sure it I, I just can't see how people manage to make that work and the respect that i have for people that do is immense you, you talked about obviously your journey and, and kind of what's happened over the last few years. And, and you did talk about it with dignity. Mm-hmm. What's it been like on kind of like an emotional level? Oh. It, it, that, that's a lot of stuff to deal with. Yeah, I think sort of, so there's been, there's two experiences that I've had and I'm not going to go into detail on the first one. Sure. Um, but, you know, I did experience something that felt really unfair. Right. Um, and it felt like it... <sighs> It, it, it felt very personal and it was not long after after having a baby and I was made redundant and the whole circumstances around it, it felt 
it felt really unfair and I felt less valuable because I'm a woman and because I'd just become a mum and gosh I was heartbroken it was a job that I really loved and you know I it made me feel really sad and it made me feel less valuable. And I think one of the amazing things at working with Jess, at Jessica Flynn and the whole team there was that the whole mindset there was different. And, you know, I had this incredible experience with this sort of female founded business where, you know, the the sort of the whole experience was just, you know, women can have their careers and be mums and be feminists and do the right thing all the time. And it was just brilliant. And then I left that kind of bubble of feminism and went into normality. Yeah. And I had 10 months in that normality where actually, you know, I was I was one of few women in the team and, you know, lots of lovely, lots of lovely men, like lots of feminist men as well, which was really refreshing. But yeah, after that, that really knocked my confidence mm. and I've definitely struggled with imposter syndrome since. You know, I feel like I don't take up as much space so you know as a woman I've always kind of said you know if you go into a room take up some physical space because you know you'll see a boardroom you know people will spread out they'll take up space and women tend to sort of cower down and take up a bit less space but I'm finding myself even now like I'm taking up a bit less room and because I don't want to impose on the room and I feel less confident in my ability and and that, that's been really sort of, that's been a journey. I remember, you know, getting sort of my first two clients and lying down on the bathroom floor and laughing because I just couldn't believe that someone would want to pay me in actual cash and not just wow. biscuits or coffee or, you know, a favor to do the thing that I've spent 13 years developing. And yeah, that that's probably the impact of that is that I have felt less valuable as a human. Sure. Because even though I've got all this experience, yeah, I, it's, I don't know, it feels like a bit of me has sort of been taken away with becoming a mum and it shouldn't be like that, you know, because actually when you employ a mum, mums are like mega, like we can do things that other people can't do. Like the other night I was simultaneously approving proofs on a book whilst making two dinners, whilst making my son snacks, you know, because that book needed to go to print. And I was like, okay, then, well, I need to need to check that these proofs are all right and get them off to the designer whilst cooking. And and, and it was just, you know, we can fight fires, we can solve problems. This morning, there's been a, a, a bit of a problem with a print job and I've just gotten on and gone, right, okay, well, I need to find a solution, you know, and it's that mum mentality where you just have to get on with it. You know, we, we're brilliant. But for some reason, we're made to feel less valuable. And also we don't get paid the same, which is really frustrating. So there's there's, all, well there's layers to it all, but yeah. I was finding strange that uh, <laughs> like most most businesses are probably trying to market to mums. That's their, their you know, their, their, it's mums that are making decisions about like the household things, isn't yeah. it? And I, I'm, I'm being a bit stereotyped by saying that, but traditionally, I think that's been the way. So like, why would you not employ mums to help make the decisions about how to best market to mums? Like, I, I don't mean to oversimplify things, but that would yeah. seem like a fairly logical thing yeah. to do. And it's, you know, it, it, I've got images of men in suits sat around going, no, we're not going to get, we're not going to bring mums in to uh, decide how we're going to sell to mums. Yeah. We know what they want. Yeah. It, it's just bullshit. Well, yeah. And, and I think, you know, like it's this sort of, patriarchal view of you know well we just 
do what we're told, don't we, as, mm. as women? And it's and it's great that there's this uprising. So, you know, Mother Pucker, she's been brilliant. Anna Whitehouse is just a legend. So she's been pushing for flexible working changes and new laws passed in January, which means that everyone can now apply flexible working off the bat, which is brilliant. Um, so the tide is changing and I think attitudes are changing as well. Um, and I definitely think COVID helped because it meant that, you know, working from home became the norm and flexibility became the norm. But yeah, there's still work to be done, I think. Um, what what I love being able to, to say, and I hope this all does pay out the way that I'm going to say we'll do, but we've we've got three really good um, episodes of, of this show, deep dive episodes coming up with amazing women who have founded and run really successful agencies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wonderful and and i hope that the i don't know like the 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 situation is changing it might be slow but at least you know there's something that maybe 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago that wouldn't have been there yeah i I don't know what their situation is in terms of of family and and stuff like that and that's Mm -hmm. something that i I look forward to asking them i I could sit here and talk about this stuff all day i I do want to move on to talk a little bit about i want to talk a bit about sheffield Mm -hmm. i want to talk a little bit about kind of like the the sort of the digital the marketing, the digital marketing scene in Sheffield, mm-hmm. uh, because there are people that would jump at the opportunity to talk about, well, Sheffield's all right, but it's no Manchester and it's not Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's still that kind of, that narrative is still there in terms of the fact that, you know, Sheffield is behind other places. What's your kind of take on where Sheffield is at the moment in terms of that digital scene, that marketing scene? I think... I mean, Manchester and Leeds are always going to be these like mega cities in the north, yeah. sort of creative agencies. Um, but we've got some great ones. I mean, I share an office with Peter and Paul and their work is incredible. You know, they're doing some really, really good stuff. Likewise, you know, Rise at Seven have done really, really well. You've yeah. got J-Wing here. So there are some really good agencies. But I think also there's loads of incredible freelancers as well. Yeah. You know, we've got this incredible network of freelancing experts in digital who were plugging into those agencies or who were available and I think you know we should probably try to stop comparing ourselves to other cities you know can't we just be Sheffield can't we just be you know this city that just kind of finds our own way and obviously you know we might be going up against the big agencies are probably going to be going up against other big agencies from Manchester and Leeds but you know, we can we can just be Sheffield. We can just do things our own way. There's some incredible creative happening in some of those agencies. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's unnecessary to compare. Amen. Amen. It's normally people outside of Sheffield that I think compare Sheffield. to yeah. pe- People here aren't doing it so much. Totally agree with you in terms of freelancers. And I think the freelance scene is almost like a giant agency of itself. Yeah. It's a shame it's not just a little bit more joined up mm-hmm. um, and, you know, could, could kind of freelance incorporated could tender for more jobs and more contracts it's a little bit messy but i think that's really really interesting you're right about some of the amazing businesses that we've um that we've got here the the final question that i'm asking everyone mm-hmm. on um on this podcast mo- i think most people that that i'm i'm going to chat to on this show will have maybe talked to another podcast before will be quite mm-hmm. active on social media will have yeah probably talked about a lot of stuff that they're really passionate about but I'm hoping that there's something that they haven't done. So mm-hmm. what are you really passionate about that you've never been asked about before? Mental health. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, you know, I've thought about starting a podcast about mental health quite a lot. 
so yeah I mean I'm happy to be personal um, if needed but yeah I I have something called generalized anxiety disorder okay. um, and I've also got something called CPTSD so complex post-traumatic stress disorder and I've gone through you know various iterations of therapies and I've had loads of treatment and you know I've been really lucky and the source for me of my mental health I suppose it's mental health and homelessness so I was homeless as a teenager right. um, lost my parent my only parent at 16 and then lost my home as a result and had to rebuild my life and off the back of that obviously lots of complex mental health issues and yeah mental health is something I'm super passionate about and I don't think that there's enough support or funding waiting lists are too long people who don't loudly bang the drum Mm. um aren't getting the help that they need um I saw someone commit suicide a few years ago in Sheffield which was awful and he'd not long been discharged from um from a hospital with sort of suicidal tendencies and you just think you know the services are under so much pressure so yeah mental health is probably the big the big one for me I it's it's on my radar and in my sort of 10-year plan to be able to use my own experiences to I don't know give something back to either the mental health space or the homelessness space um once kind of my son's a bit older and I've got a bit of capacity wow I I don't tell many people about that. No, that's, that. I mean, that's really, really interesting. Um, thank you for sharing that. I wish we had another half hour to carry on talking. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll have to revisit this <laughs> at some point because I think it's really interesting. Mental health is something that I think people are way more aware of and people are saying all the right stuff, but not mm-hmm. necessarily doing the do. That's the impression that yeah. I get. We're all going, oh, it's really important, mental health. Everyone should talk about it. But then actually, you know, people are still doing the stuff that they were doing before. Like, it's not really changed. It's just people saying the right yes. things. And and everyone has mental health. And I think we forget yeah. that. Everybody has mental health and we all like physical health. Yeah. You know, you work out, you eat well, you know, you kind of have to do things for your mental health as well. And there's a stigma, you know, and by me telling people that, you know, I have these things happening with my mental health, but look at me I'm still running this weirdly successful little freelance thing um in Sheffield you know it normalizes it because you can you know you can live with that and with trauma and still go on to live a relatively normal life I love that that uh, what a, a fantastic note to kind of finish on that that's amazing Thank you for being honest. I feel we we went in a few directions in this episode that I, maybe I, I wasn't fully expecting, and I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, I hope we've talked about stuff that resonates with just a few people. If 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 you know this can just get a few people thinking about things in a way that they weren't doing before, which I you know it has done with me, um, then that's fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being honest, and the best of luck for the future of the business. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Steel City Business. It's been really lovely to have you with us. Now, you know how this works. If you've enjoyed it and you want in on future episodes, then just follow us on your podcast app or on YouTube. The show is very active on LinkedIn. Just search for Steel City Business and come and connect with me as well while you're at it. Big thank you to The Curious for helping make this podcast happen. There's loads more about the show at steelcity.business and you can get in touch by emailing james at steelcity.business. And hey, if you're in business in Sheffield, 
then, well, why not put yourself forward as a guest for a future episode? And of course, we're always open for a good chat about how audio marketing could work for your brand. Until next time, thanks for listening.